Hello and welcome to episode 13 of How We Got Here, a podcast between non-doc media and FKG Consulting. We're here in FKG World Headquarters on 23rd Street in Oklahoma City overlooking uh, the sidewalk and some trees. And I'm here, I'm Trace Savage, the editor-in-chief of nondoc.com. Uh, sometimes known as William Savage, if you want to look up all my legal documents. But um, I'm here with Brian Freed and Ryan Kilpatrick of FKG. How are you guys? Good, Trace. Doing well. Looking forward to October 1st. Yeah, so we're going to talk about beer today. Um, and despite what you heard at the very start of the episode, uh, we actually don't have any beer with us here, even though we're going to be talking mostly about beer and alcohol today. Um, call it a, an amateur mistake I don't know but we we weren't able to get it there's not a lot left on the shelves as we record on Friday September 28th um, well but, if, we, if we only had some some connections like if we knew somebody like with the beer distributors or something right. like that you would think we you'd could think get some we beer. could you think yeah. we could do that speaking <laughs> of which we have a guest in studio with us today uh, it's Brett Robinson of uh, the beer distributors of Oklahoma as well as uh, McSpadden Milner and Robinson that's the correct. Lobbying firm your partner in. Uh, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me today, and particularly on this auspicious day, National Drink a Beer Day, which we are failing at right now. We'll yeah, have to go. And, yeah. We'll I, have to go below your offices. You know, it's it's convenient. You guys located your offices um, above two really pretty good restaurants and uh, two pretty good bars, and right next to like a premier concert venue. You guys did a, a good job. Um, well, you can have your offices in a lot of places. You can either have it above a bar or not, and it seems <laughs> seems like it makes more sense to be above a bar. It's really Plus, a, we're trying to keep Alex Wentz around, so there you go. There you go. Where is he today? Is he is he, he out is, scouring? He, for... is, he is literally in on, on the coast of Italy somewhere. So uh, hopefully, wow. he'll be listening to us. Uh, That's nice. Well, That's all right. Good. Another thing that he's doing that I'm not. Um, okay, so we uh, have the four of us here today to talk about a subject. Excuse me, I, I, if I belch, it's not because I'm drinking beer. Um, and I don't, is, that, is that a first time? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. For, all right, well, anyway, um, the, the comments we get, the reviews we get. By the way, rate us, review us if you like the podcast. But um, we find that I'm apparently a lovable buffoon. So uh, <laughs> last time, last podcast episode, we determined I can't do math. So this time, I, I think I'll just, you know... Uh, reference bodily. No, functions. I haven't heard. So, so you actually go and read the reviews, and you you've been called a lovable buffoon. Oh well, uh, emails and oh, okay. you know some some reviews on on podcast episodes, some comments on Facebook, um, a lot of like angry six thirty a.m. text messages that that one of our guests said something somebody doesn't agree with, like as if I'm supposed to go edit it out or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but uh, with, with that said, speaking of bodily functions, uh, if you stick with us all the way to the end of this episode, Brett, our good friend here, tells a story about uh, a keg-killing competition that he got into in college. Uh, and so stay with us for, for that uh, colorful story. Yes, we were yeah, very colorful. And, but at the same time, that's what people remember. I was promote, promoting safe, responsible <laughs> adult <laughs> consumption of alcohol. Right, yeah. Um, in all seriousness, uh, it is really important. We wrote an editorial on Nondoc um, just Monday that was talking about how the state hasn't necessarily done a lot in terms of um, improving access to treatment for addiction and, and substance abuse and th those sorts of things. So while we might make some jokes about beer here today, um, we also want people to know that uh, there are resources out there, Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, 
uh, Northcare here in Oklahoma City, um, the recovery center, the referral center up on Classen. Um, there are there are uh, resources for people, and and certainly uh, substance abuse is something that's a serious topic. I thought that piece was very well done. Well, thank you very much. Um, well, without further ado, let's go back in time. Uh, in American history to a time where you couldn't legally buy alcohol. And that would be 1920, when prohibition went into effect in the United States. Uh, that lasted for 13 years or so. Um, and the, uh, we, we passed a, a constitutional amendment outlawing uh, alcohol. Um, this was a big fight here in Oklahoma, the, the likes of Zoe Tillman and some other people. Um, and then uh, 13 years later, they determined that maybe this wasn't the best idea, maybe it didn't work, maybe it didn't actually fix everything that was wrong with our society's morals. I believe fabric. actually Brett can answer this question, but can't you, it, it, we entered, didn't we as a state, when we, when we uh, were granted a state, I think we entered as a prohibition type uh, state. We, we, is that accurate? I believe, yeah, that is accurate. Um, you know, for those of you in, in Trace, you know a lot about this history probably more than anybody here well, just call my dad and maybe yeah. he'll, he'll call me an idiot for not knowing this but but that was part of the I think you know the grand bargain to allow entry uh, of you know Oklahoma as the as the 48 uh, I'm sorry the 46th state um, and so that was a, a deal that was cut uh, the you know the dry movement there were the wets versus the dries um, that was the, the the political issue of the day. I mean, it was the today you have you know pro-life versus pro-choice um, as far as reproductive rights, and back then it was the wets versus the dry. So it was absolutely important for the folks that had come to Oklahoma um, and settled in the latter part of the 19th century that that uh, Oklahoma coming into the state is a dry state. I think Cary Nation was you know obviously had a headquarters in in, in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Um, so it was the it was the political issue at the time. So you know the title of this obviously is how we got here. So we really really are giving a how we got here. We go back to statehood, uh, and essentially this effort that culminates on Monday uh, is a 111 years in the making, and uh, to, to get to the point to where we are today uh, on Monday. So a lot of people talk a lot about why is Oklahoma so backwards? Why is it taken so long to get to this point in time? Well, and I think Brett's going to share a little bit of that history with us that lets us know uh, we started off uh, in such a way that unwinding uh, the alcohol laws has taken a long time. And, and it happened in, so we talk from the federal level, 1920 to 1933 prohibition. <laughs> Oklahoma was the last state in the union to, to uh, go wet, if you will, and that was, what, 1959? 1959. 1958, 1959? Yeah, but if you go back to, so Roosevelt ran for president in 1932, and part of his platform was, you know, we're going to repeal prohibition. So one of the first things he did was, in 19, early 1933, was sign the Cullen-Harrison Act, which allowed, which basically defined beer that was non-intoxicating to be anything uh, 3.2 alcohol by weight or below, so low point beer. So Oklahoma adopted a law in 1935 hmm. as a result of that that allowed the sale of low point beer. So that people wonder how did we get low point beer? That's how. And so while most states were, once prohibition was beginning to be repealed among the various states, they immediately got rid of their low point beer law if they had adopted it um, after. Roosevelt signed that law in 1933. They quickly 
repealed it, but not every state did. And obviously... And Oklahoma didn't. Oklahoma, okay. Oklahoma never did. So Low Point Beer actually became a... By the time 1959 came along, you know, and there's a little bit of history leading up to that, Low Point Beer became a political football as a part of the ultimately the repeal of prohibition in 1959 and there, there's a you know there's a story behind that too okay uh well what's that what's that story well so a lot of people don't realize this but the dries um were still very active in oklahoma they were trying to prevent any repeal of prohibition and you could sell low point beer statewide well the dries proposed um, a new law that said low point beer would be banned except for a county option. And so that was that vote was taken in 1957 and it, it was just soundly defeated. Uh, so at that point, that would be kind of the... That vote was in the legislature or No, or it was statewide? a statewide vote. Because right. this and, is all in the Constitution. Yeah, and it was, it was soundly rejected uh, by the voters in 1957. So during the, that was kind of the, the wets at that point began to believe they had an opportunity then uh, based upon public sentiment to reject what the dries were doing and move towards repealing prohibition. And, and they, a young governor, you know, uh, a young candidate for governor, J. Howard Edmondson, in 1958 actually began to campaign then on the idea of uh, repealing prohibition if he was elected governor. And is, and is that what he, did he lead the way to make that happen or what yeah. was? Yeah, so if, you, if you've heard all this. I wasn't alive in 1959. Well, so. if you, well, <laughs> I was not either, but it, it was close. Um, but if, you, um, if you've ever heard the, the old stories about Joe Cannon, you know, old Judge Joe Cannon, he, was, he worked you know, for J. Howard Edmonds on, on his staff, and, and, and their staffers got together and they said, well, you know, we need to get this thing on the ballot. What can we do to ensure you know, success. And they said, uh, well, what we do is we just cut, we just shut down alcohol in the state. We shut down bootlegging. We shut down the borders. We arrest the bootleggers. We, you know, we, we dry up the state as much as possible. So that then come election time, the people are motivated. And by, by election time, yeah, in 1959, they were motivated as heck and it, it passed. Hmm. So Interesting. I think it's, 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 you know, so, so much of these laws are so dated and it's, it's got to, it has to be very bizarre for younger people to even have any recollection of, <laughs> of any of this type of stuff. I remember when I was a kid watching Smokey and the Bandit, you know, and the whole subject matter is, you know, is, is, is bringing beer across state lines and all of that type. I mean, it's just it was such a bizarre notion uh, that, right. that you had. And so I think of these type of conversations that we're having and thinking about people today trying to reconcile how we got to where we are today. And it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. So there's a funny connection to Oklahoma regarding smoking the bandit too. Go on. But even though it's, it's somewhat <clears throat> mythical, but the, so back then, okay, in the 1970s, um, Coors was the dominant beer in the United States. I mean, particularly west of the Mississippi River. And because of, you know, the way Coors marketed and sold, you know, manufactured and sold their beer, they wanted to have the freshest beer possible. So they refused to ship it east of the Mississippi because they, would cons they were concerned about it, its quality deteriorating, you know, during that much transportation. So, um, but it became, a, it was so wildly popular. You talk about, you know, we were talking earlier about people driving to Texas to get their beer. 
people would drive across the country in their in, you know, go on road trips from the east in order to pick up Coors beer and take it back you know to the east coast so what you know what liquor purve- you know beer purveyors here in Oklahoma figured out is that hey we can you know actually people probably in the beer distribution business or people that were in the retail sale of beer at that time said we could probably buy truckloads of this and illegally transship it ourselves so if you remember that was a big 18 wheeler right full of Coors beer right which yeah. in the they, essentially they were illegally bootlegging Coors beer from one state that they could sell it to the states that that they did, that didn't have it right which, yeah which is fascinating now because if you if you you're the modern day example of that would be with all the craft beers that are out there now that are not available you know in every state in the country and particularly in Oklahoma until recent years you, you heard people with all kinds of you know more obscure brands and now the fact you said that Coors was the the beer of choice for you know half the country back in the day that they couldn't get it just would shock some folks so <laughs> it was that that yellow can, the uh, the old yellow belly. The old yellow belly. Yeah. I like. Yeah. Well, I can't believe we don't even have a good yellow belly for this podcast. I'm really steamed about uh, this. Uh, yeah, why, why would we not have taken a trip to Texas and, and, and gotten some, some yellow bellies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we should have. We could probably go to Byron's yeah, down the street. Get some warm banquet beer. Yeah. Until yeah. Until, well, we, we can't do so. Midnight on. Yeah. So Sunday. it's Friday now. So the reason we're doing this podcast is Friday now, and and by Monday, by the time many of you will be listening to this. The October 1st, the state's liquor laws will have changed, uh, gone into effect, uh, and this was the result of a 2016 uh, state question that voters passed by pretty wide margin. But 50, 57%. 57%. About the. Was it 60? No, 60. Oh, the wall behind you there, Brett, I believe. Yeah, 60. Oh, sorry. If we could read that uh, question 792, I think it was 65 to 66, somewhere in that range. Yeah, you were thinking. Wow. You, were, you were thinking of medical marijuana, yeah, Brett. There we go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Which is we were, which is legal before this all goes into effect on Monday. We got <laughs> super bizarre. We got more votes than Donald Trump, but not a, not as many votes as the, the the law ensconcing the death penalty in the Constitution. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, with that, uh, now I I definitely need a beer to try to unpack what we just <laughs> talked about. Um. But, so, but, but I think, but, but what is, Brett, on October 1st, what will consumers see differently that they've never seen before under the new law? Well, it's, it's crazy because I, I walked into a grocery store yesterday and, and, and the store I normally shop at, and I just was, I just stood there for like three or four minutes just in awe of the, the wine that was on display. And, and I'm, you know, I said this is going to be. You know, this is a this is a game changer. I mean, this is no more uh, running around on Saturday at eight fifty five at night yeah, trying to get or, a you know, glass a you, bottle of wine for yeah. Sunday dinner the you're, next day. You're trying to get all your errands or you know all your chores or whatever it is you got to get done on Saturday, and then you know, all, all of a sudden you forget. You know, ten o'clock Saturday. I'm like, oh my gosh, I you know I haven't I haven't gone to the, uh, the liquor store. I haven't gotten any beer yet, and I've you know, I want to get some cold beer that normally I couldn't get in, in a grocery store. I can get, you know, so you're going to be able to see, I mean, you're just going to see some, I think it's going to change a lot of people's habits and it's, it's going to provide a lot more, you know, uh, convenience. That was the big idea, more choice and convenience for consumers. I mean, that's why, that's why we did this. So I you, mean, so, uh, prior, so today I go into the liquor store and, uh, in the liquor store, I can't get refrigerated beer. 
uh, nope. today. It has to be room temperature. It has to be room temperature. Yeah. After the passage of this, and now I'll be able to get um, in any type of beer, strong strong beer or whatever, refrigerated from the liquor store. Right. I'll also be able to go to the grocery store, and I'll there will no longer be, up until this point, there was a restriction on the, uh, we had to be a below 3-2 beer, three correct? 3-2 beer, To be able yeah. to sold in convenience and grocery stores. Right. Now we'll be able to get um, beer up to higher alcohol volume beer in liquor stores and convenience stores and wine. Right. right. So you'll be able to get, you know, seven days a week, you'll be able to buy cold beer in a grocery or, con- grocery or convenience store up to 8.99% alcohol by volume. So that's going to cover, I mean, that covers most beer, most beers out there today, particularly most popular beers out there today. And you'll be able to buy wine seven days a week in a grocery and convenience store up to 15.99% alcohol by volume. So obviously most of your popular wines are going to run in the you know 14% range. And then at liquor stores, you're going to be able to get everything, you know, cold. You know, you're going to be able to buy, you know, beer in all different alcohol volumes you know cold you're gonna be able to buy wine uh, that's refrigerated you'll be able to go get a cold bottle of champagne um, you know if you want to celebrate something you know celebrate you know, something you know with your and wife then writes over. a diss track about you you just pop that champagne yeah no nobody and no but so it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be really fun you know it's gonna be finally you know We've, we've passed another major cultural milestone in Oklahoma's history. Well, and this is the first modernization lifestyle. of Oklahoma's alcohol laws since 1984, when there was another big step that was taken um, for liquor by the drink. That's right. Which was before this. So in 1959, when when uh, the effort you, you were talking about earlier, um, it allowed people to buy bottles of liquor at liquor stores and they could buy 3-2 beer at a bar uh, or a restaurant but you had to have they became called bottle clubs where you Brett would buy your bottle of whiskey what's your what you got a whiskey preference you want to drop I like a lot of different bourbons okay uh, Blanton's okay so you get your so you get your Blanton's in 1973 I don't know if they existed then uh, maybe and then you um, take that to and and they put your name on the bottle and keep it in a in a shelf down in Norman at Legends restaurant they still have a bottle uh, it's like a giant credenza it's probably worth a lot of money and it was a bottle holding spot and so you would it would say Brett you know on it and you would come in and they'd Pour you drink a little ice, a little water, and they charge you two dollars, you know, for the glass and That's the right. ice and the water, and well, and that was how you could buy alcohol. So, again, going back to more Brett stories from the early 1980s, since that seems to be the theme sure. this week, yeah, you know, from but I was a busboy at Pistachios Bar and Restaurant at 50 Pin Place in 19 uh, 1980. Okay, and. In 1980, people were getting more and more. If you were a bar, or restaurant, or a bottle club, and it was a you know it was a m- membership club, just like you'd have a a Chili's here today that just you know serves drinks, but you had to be a member. Right. One of my jobs was to they would 
print out stacks of people's names and addresses on these dot matrix printer, you know, with you know, on labels. <laughs> and I don't know where they got the names and addresses from, but I think they were at that point they they were just like, who cares? Anybody walks in. Yeah, I mean, and so it was my job to put the labels on every bottle of booze that came in the door. I would, you know. How, how many bottles did they have in the place at any one time? Hundreds? Oh, yeah, hundreds. Yeah, so when cases of alcohol would come in, you'd have to put these ad, you know, name and address labels on every bottle. So that if Abel came in, they saw an, a bottle behind the bar, they could look at it and say, oh, this is, this is Joe Smith's bottle of, and of whiskey. And so some of them were fake. I'm not sure they were actually <laughs> not related. confirming to, or denying. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Jim Lemons had a bottle. That, yeah, it's yeah. like taking uh, voter rolls, maybe. So, I don't so, know. so, Trace, you used this, another we're talking about dated terminology, use the term liquor by the drink. So if somebody out there that's about 25 years old is listening to this, what in the world does liquor by the drink even mean? Well, I, my understanding is that you can currently go buy liquor, that we might go downstairs afterwards and buy, buy a drink of liquor that we purchased from uh, the bunker club below us. And um, that's just that's the but, transaction. But, but and then that we leave. wasn't allowed. But until that wasn't allowed until 1984, where previously you had to do what Brett said. You brought your bottle in, had your name on it, and you left it there. I get, you could take it. You could take it back home. Could you? Could you leave it? I don't. I, I don't be, really know. I think you had to leave I, it there. Yeah. I think once it got open. Yeah. And so and 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 there was, you know, so it was called. So I'm, I was looking up uh, before we started podcasting today. I was looking up different stories and I found a, a story in the Tulsa world from 2007 uh, by Cliff Adcock at the time he was working there and it, it, the opening line was in 1984 after seeing the results of Oklahoma's liquor by the drink vote one restaurant patron told the Tulsa world quote voting for liquor by the drink is in Oklahoma is like voting whether or not bears can have hair and so that it was sort of the idea that it was called uh, colloquially liquor by the wink Right, which was that, you know, if you knew the place, there was a house bottle for, for like you said, Joe Smith or, or somebody, and, and you could get, you know, you could get a drink out of that right. um, bottle. But it, it was, that was sort of seen as, and, and there were attempts to modernize this in 1972, 1976. Both of those voters rejected. But in 1984, it got on the ballot, um, and it was... Uh, it was, it was, there were, uh, I think Larry Wood was one of the consultants and uh, Mike, uh, what, Williams? No. Mike, yeah. Yeah, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Um, and and I've, uh, there was another guy. Yeah, he, was the, he was the spokesman for Oklahomans for responsible liquor control. But on September 18th of 1984, so this is, that's exactly one month before I was born, voters passed the law 52% to 48% winning only 17 of 77 counties right and it became i think it was county optional it was, it was county option yes. and so when so now we're a little bit more forward to 2016 when the effort that you guys were behind yes on 792 passes with more than 60 i, I really can't see that on the wall yeah, 65 65 65 percent of of oklahomans wanted um to uh now change up the the rules in in grocery stores and liquor stores, um, but back back then, only 17 of the 77 counties voted in favor of liquor by the drink in bars and restaurants and things like that, and so you had a lot of counties that remained uh, quote unquote dry. Right um, now, in 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 other 
places there are dry counties, but these counties you could still dry mint, you could still get 3.2 beer. That's right. Um, but there were, I believe it was 14 counties in after the 2016 vote on state question 792 that had to then go back this year and vote to allow for um, full strength alcohol because there was there's no longer going to be any 3.2 beer. Right. So there was a, it was about 15 counties I think in that okay. in that ball in that right. ballpark and so. Over the spring this year, you know, during the legislative session, I started getting phone calls from different folks who were panicking about trying to get that on the ballot in their counties to get it, get the liquor, uh, you know, get liquor by the drink passed before uh, the election in June, and or to get it on the June primary ballot. Right. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So. Um, the thing is, there weren't there, there you know there were a bunch of there were several political consultants like Larry, and others who made a living for years, doing those liquor by the drink elections in the various counties. Right. And you know by just a few years ago, I mean there there wasn't anybody left, there wasn't anybody around who even knew how to do one of those elections. So there were all kinds of questions coming in about. Well, who who has to vote on, and what's what's the resolution look like? What kind of resolution does the it was it does, the county commissioners the, the, that would yeah put the it county forward? commissioners had to pass a resolution. So you had some some DAs out there who were scrambling around trying to find the right language to use for the resolution, so they could get so they their county and there were there were a couple of counties where the counties initially were saying the commissioners were saying, well, if the voters do this, they should do a initiative petition. <laughs> so you got to go and out so. And you got to get what 50 percent of uh, yeah the, there was some threshold but wow. finally i think it was jackson county and one others they convinced the county commissioners look we don't have time to go get the signatures to do this you're just going to have to refer this you're going to have to do a vote of them and there were a couple of counties that were very reluctant to do that but they finally did all of them got it on the ballot for that june election and they all passed it which to me, it just blew my mind. Yeah, all four, there were 14 on the June 26th primary, 14. and all passed it. Beaver County came very, very close. That was the seven-vote margin, at least on the unofficial, and there were 10 provisional ballots. So it could have gone the other way. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think it did go down. When they started opening the provisional ballots, I think it went down. I mean, it almost oh, yeah. didn't yeah. pass. Yeah, yeah. down to like five or three. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that. So, at, you know, that was kind of a stressful period because I was like, you know, I— because you know, you were getting a lot of calls saying, "Well, we have a couple beer bars, but that's it. If we don't, I mean, if this doesn't pass, you know, well, and those beer bars wouldn't have even been able to sell beer because all they were authorized to sell was three two beer. Right. And so maybe you can talk about that. Is that I think Oklahoma and what Oklahoma, Utah, Oklahoma, and, Utah, Minnesota, Colorado, and Kansas are the only states that have three two beer left. Okay, and and, uh, and so now there won't be any three two beer in the state of Oklahoma. Everything will be quote beer. unquote high point. No beers is going to be beer, right? Beer. And well, why don't you explain that, Brett? What is three point? You, you explained the definition in the Constitution about three point two, but when you're measuring by weight, we talked about this a lot. You know, when I was a kid or when I was in college, everyone talked about going to Texas and it was six point. You know, beer. What's the difference between three point two and the so called six point and all that stuff? Is that accurate? Well, it's a factor of, I guess, point, point eight basically, or there, you know, there's some multiple, but it, I, you know, they came up with it in 1933, 
And I've yet to find any history of how they determine that 3.2 alcohol by weight is somewhat, you know, is not alcohol under the, you know, under the 18th Amendment right. to the Constitution. But they just kind of, somebody picked that number and said, okay, that's not prohibited under the U.S. Constitution, in, you know, in 1920. And so, but, you know, then they passed that. And then, you know, yeah, so if you have a 3-2 beer in Oklahoma, it's the same as 4% alcohol by volume. So you just, so it's basically a, what I've always been told, it's a beer out of a 12-pack. I've never actually experimented with that to figure that out myself, but, you know. It's right, just, it's and a, when people say Texas is 6 point, so you say Oklahoma's 3.2 really translates into 4%. Texas is what's so-called 6 point. Where's the 6 point come from? I don't know. I, I've never, but, you you know, you had a, a distribution company here in Oklahoma that actually called their company 6 point beverage uh, that's actually going away, you know, effective Monday because they don't, they don't need to be around anymore because beer is just going to be distributed like you know it's like it's normally distributed. But I don't know where six point came from. But but a six yeah. point is is that is that mean was the beer in Texas that you uh, bought be six percent? Uh, no, no. Like a Coors Light in Texas is four point two percent alcohol by volume. Um, a regular Coors is five percent. Most of your main mainstream beers are going to be that are that's not a light beer are going to be in the five to five point five percent range. So in other words, there's yeah. really not been as great a disparity between yeah. the lower point beers and the uh, heavier, those of the domestic kind of That's right. mainstream beers, I guess. Yeah, you know, really, it's not until craft became a big deal that you actually started seeing beers start to creep up to 6% and higher. You know, some of your IPAs and things like that are, you know, much more... Uh, more fuel, more rocket fuel, I guess. Yeah. Well, as an aside, I do like it when when establishments note the the percentage of alcohol on beers because I have accidentally bought a fifteen percent alcohol beer and I'm like drinking it. I'm like, I did not mean to order this. Yeah. Um, maybe you guys can take us back a little bit to the. We've talked about practically what people are going to see changing, um, and I think people are going to see it for themselves. You know, I mean, you can go down to the. To the liquor store uh, later, you know, after you listen to this and see um, some differences, go to the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe you guys can can talk me through how this this took a while to happen. That that you know we saw there was the vote in 1984 on liquor by the drink, but modernizing the package stores, modernizing the way people individually went out and bought um, alcohol for their own home personal consumption. Um, or, or the way allowing for breweries to, to pop up or the way for allowing them to have tap rooms. All the, take me back for the last 10 years of this battle because, Brett, when you and I met probably back in 2008, 2000, you know, 2008 and 2009 um, when I was first at the Capitol, you know, you were telling me about this then and the, and the tiered system we have and the different people involved. And, you know, this wasn't easy otherwise it would have been done a decade ago right there are a lot of barriers to you know to this getting done um, and a lot of economic interests involved so i i was hired by the what was known then as the oklahoma malt beverage association um, to replace their longtime executive director uh, a guy named oliver delaney who had been there 22 years so he had shepherded through you know some significant pieces of legislation but in his time but i mean we began, I mean, I told the board of directors of the group when they hired me in 2007, I said, 
I want to get rid of low point beer. I, we need to make some significant changes in how uh, beer is sold in Oklahoma. And, you know, a lot of them kind of, you know, scratched their head and said, you know, that's just, that's just not possible. But we, you know, but there were a few who said, you know, um, yeah, maybe we could get this done. And, and what we were noticing is that, you know, consumer tastes were changing. Um, you know, craft beer was really beginning to take off. Um, you know, you would notice there were, there were several popular national craft beers that would not come to Oklahoma because the way beer was sold at that time. People always would use the New Belgium, you know, fat tire example. Like, you know, why is fat tire in all these states around Oklahoma, but they won't come here? Well, there were some very specific reasons for that. And so, you know, there were some members of the beer distributors of Oklahoma. Began, we began to kind of beat the drum. We would talk to retailers and we would say, look, you know, you're going to want to, you're going to want to get be more of a part of this craft beer revolution. Consumers are more, you know, they're more picky, they're more knowledgeable about beer, um, and we're going to need to, you know, we're going to need to change this. And there's some other things that, that can change too. So, it was kind of a, a watershed event then in in 2014 when Stephanie Bice was elected to the Oklahoma Senate because. She called me, you know, I'd met her before her uh, election and we talked a lot about alcohol laws and she called me after she was elected and said, what do I need to do to, you know, get cold beer in liquor stores? And I said, well, that's a simple two or three word change in a statute. But unless other people are, have signed off on that, you'll probably never get that done. And so I think that just, you know, challenged her to uh, want to move forward and see if she could actually unpack this and, and make some serious reform. So we, we, we want to have her on the uh, pod to discuss that and, and other issues. In fact, she's somebody we've, we've talked about. She wasn't able to make it today, uh, but I just wanted to kind of throw yeah, that out there. Everybody uh, listening, raise a glass if you have one in front of you to the efforts of Senator Bice and yeah. all the others who worked hard on this in the Capitol over Cheers. the past few years. Senator Bice, Senator Jolly, Representative mm-hmm. Mulready, they were the kind of yeah. spearheaders of this effort. Right. And, and it, was a, it wasn't a um, simply a... Uh, change at the voters. There was a lot of statutory changes as well that the legislature right. had to work through. So yeah, so we had you know we had worked with Senator Jolly uh, prior to 2014. We had worked with Senator Jolly on some beer distribution issues. So he had become familiar with it, and he it, he was kind of the go-to person in the state senate at that time. Um, what Senator Bice did, you know, was obviously start the discussion and and what 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 she began to realize is that if you allowed liquor stores to sell cold beer, well, then that would make the grocery and convenience stores feel like they were getting, the liquor stores were getting an unfair advantage and therefore they would have to have something in return for that. I mean, specifically Walmart and, and for example, Quick Trip were like, no, I mean, we're, if, if that's going to happen, then we want access to wine and other types of beers. And so, um, there were some, some, another thing that happened during that time is there were some major cultural shifts at Walmart. You know, for years, Sam Walton, they didn't want anything to do with alcohol. And there had been, you know, since his passing, there had been some subsequent changes in their executive team. And uh, at that time, their executive team was really interested in trying to sell more alcohol uh, at their stores across the country. And they looked at Oklahoma as a real opportunity because they have a lot of stores here. And uh, then you have very aggressive, um, 
successful uh, chains like Quick Trip and others that also wanted to be more in, involved in, in selling alcohol. So um, it became then at that point just a matter of building building a coalition, you know, uh, around. Um, I believe uh, brewing a coalition. Bre brewing, like, yeah, yeah, brewing yeah. a coalition of different various economic interests who were involved in the business to come together and and find a lot of commonality, and that's how we got to State Question 792. Ryan, what um, what what struck to you in in not only the 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 effort around getting that to the ballot and then getting it passed on the ballot, but there's some other things that you've even had to be you know kind of dealt with. Um, you know, after that, uh, what, what has stood out to you the most? I think what's interesting to me is kind of, I mean, I don't, this is certainly a topic that's not over. I mean, we talk about after the passage of 788, marijuana being kind of a hot topic at the Capitol for the next two years. And obviously there's a lot more work to kind of craft a regulatory structure around, around that whole beast. Um, but there's definitely still work on the alcohol side. And I think there's a few things, and I think Brett would be good to touch on these here in a minute, but just that we could see on the ballot as county options potentially in the next few years. We talked about liquor by the drink. That, that We're kind of past that at this point after June 26. But I think another one that's out there um, as a potential is um, liquor store sales on Sunday sales. Um, that's something that each county, I believe, it has the same effective day. Starting October 1, can hold an election to uh, have liquor, store, liquor stores open on Sunday. Currently, they, uh, I believe, in addition to some of the things that they got, they'll be able to serve um, cold beer and have some other products up to 20% of their sales, uh, non-alcohol products. Um, so you can buy a corkscrew, actually. Right, or, right. Yeah, or some or type a of cigar. Or, 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 ooh, there's an idea. Um, firecrackers? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I did that in Missouri once. They're, they're, they have a store up there on, on I-44. I was driving to New York, and uh, <laughs> the, it said, it, it billboards all the way, and it said, it said uh, we sell three things, uh, beer, cigarettes and firecrackers and uh my buddy place. and i was i was moving my helping my best friend move to new york city and uh, we had to use restroom and so we figured well if we got to go use restroom somewhere we should go there and we bought all three and we didn't smoke cigarettes or anything like that but we figured you could sell them for a good amount up in new york city and but we, so we took the fireworks up there <laughs> and one night we were on his roof and we and we shot off the roman candles and about you know two minutes about a minute two minutes later uh, across the skyline, somebody fired some Roman candles back, and then I mean, and it, there were fifteen or twenty people just shooting off fireworks. In New York, we, in New York, we started wow. a. It, it 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 was it was cold, so it was there was like snow on the ground and everything, so it was fine. We weren't going to burn anything down in theory, but <laughs> Missouri uh, Missouri's got it's, pretty. It's the wild. Pretty West. liberal. It's the yeah. wild. I mean, you can go to you know Quick Trip in Missouri and get a, there's a bottle of whiskey behind the counter. I mean, so interesting that. It, that explains so so, it's so what the much. future may it's what the future may hold here. right so, so this election was in 2016 and the legislation passed in 2016 why are we having to wait until October 1st of 2018 before all this goes into effect well there's a kind of a poignant story about that that's I think is kind of poignant and funny at the same time but we negotiated a lot of these issues with um, the wine and spirit wholesalers here in Oklahoma and at the time you know, Brad, uh, Brad Nafee was um, involved very heavily in the negotiations on behalf of Central Liquor. And, um, he, um, anyway, we, uh, he, you know, he's now, he's now passed, you know, God rest his soul, but, and he didn't get to see this come to fruition, but he was very instrumental in, in pushing back the implementation date to October 1 of 2018. We didn't really, you know, 
as far from our standpoint, we didn't get involved in that part of it. That was kind of an issue. He negotiated with the with the grocery stores and the convenience stores because they said, "Oh yeah, we can get this done in a year. You know, why don't we do this in July of of uh, seventeen or you know December of seventeen and and and, and for yeah. those who don't know, Central Liquor uh, would be what's considered a distributor of the of alcohol in, in the state. I mean, so they're 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 delivering the product. So that was this a logistical issue with them? Do you think? Yeah, it, I, I, they felt like, and and it turned out to be true. Honestly, is that there it would take a lot of legislating to get it right. And we, if you recall, we did have to go through the 2017 session. You know, working on a uh, uh, an omnibus cleanup bill of what we had passed in 2016 that would go, go into effect if the state question passed. And then we, in fact, we had to do it again this last legislative session. We had to do kind of another omnibus cleanup bill. And frankly, there's going to have to probably be a few more this next legislative session to clean up some more stuff. So it it's highly comp complex, and 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 Brad knew that. And and I and frankly, I think it was probably the right the right thing to do. I had kind of one of those panic moments though, when this, when the medical marijuana thing began to circulate and they got the, they got the signatures. And it's one of those moments when you're in the shower and you're thinking and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, you know, Oh no. And I thought we're going to have medical marijuana before we actually get rid of low point beer. <laughs> and I mean, sure it, it, it basically happened. I mean, you've got your first marijuana plant that's, you know, that's now legal eager. Yeah. And, and we still have, we still have low point beer. Do we have so, like a camera on it to watch it grow? <laughs> that's like a countdown clock. Should be, I should mean, be I like think a, that would be great on non doc. If anybody, any, anybody wants to buy advertising, yeah. uh, they can, uh, they can do that. Now, you, now you guys talked, you said wholesalers, distributors, we're about out of time here, but, um, this is so complicated. And you talked about that omnibus bill in, in 2018 I think that was once the teacher walkout was over and trying to get you know the rest of the budget done that was one of the last things that got dealt with if I'm not mistaken before Sunny die right it was basically the last day I think I'd written a I'd, I'd written like a 900 word story about how this possibly wasn't going to happen and then I didn't publish it because I needed some more information I came in the next morning and and the deal had been decided and so then i had to rewrite it to be they passed the bill you know but um yeah, after dealing with you know distributors and wholesalers and breweries and other people fighting each other the i think leadership kind of finally threw up their hands and they called over the able commission and had them come over and say look what do you you know what do you think needs to be in this final version of the omnibus cleanup bill so that was basically what came out of it well you mentioned all those different interests tell how does how does a um, how does a bottle of whiskey get to a consumer? Uh, I mean, it goes through different hands. Give us just a minute talking about kind of that system that most people may not really understand the players involved. Well, really, with beer, it's pretty simple, and it, it and it and it should be, and it has been for for three two in Oklahoma, like I said, since 1935. I mean, it's simply you know the brewer makes it, sells it to the distributor, distributor sells it to the retailers in their territory. And the liquor has been a lot more complicated in Oklahoma, frankly, as a result of the constitutional amendment we passed in 1959, repealing prohibition. We've had this system, what's what we call like a four-tier system, where you had to have a, you had a manufacturer or a distiller or a supplier, whatever you want to call it, 
Then you had kind of like an in-state broker, you know, or a manufacturer's representative. And then you would have the, dis the distributor, the people that actually had the trucks in the warehouses who would then sell it to the retailer. So you had that kind of that extra layer. And we've essentially, you know, with this new constitutional amendment, we have a very simple system for beer, like, you know, every other state has. But we kind of have this optional system now for wine and spirits where um, a manufacturer can either go through that old system that we had before, or they can go through kind of a new system that's more like beer, where you just have a, you know, you have a whole, you have a manufacturer, a wholesaler, and then they're selling it to retail. Okay. So, so I mean, when you hear all of this, these stories, though, and what Brett's talking about, I think it helps put a little, shed a little bit of light on the complication. You know, anytime... Anytime you tinker with a system in which people have built businesses around the existing law and you change that, some in some respects that puts people out of business and, and it puts their business model out of, out of business. And so lawmakers are typically reluctant to you know, harm people and put people's livelihoods in jeopardy and all those things. So I only say that to say there's a lot more complications to all of this than Oklahomans are just backwards and, and couldn't right. couldn't agree to pass it. It is a it is a complicated maze to to kind of put together. And in some respects, m marijuana is easier from the standpoint that you never had a system to change. You started from scratch right. and uh, and you were able to do do it You're that way. Going what? from illegal to legal, essentially. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, and, and it's and it's funny that I had forgotten that Oklahoma entered as a as a dry state which is why this is in the Constitution right right and so when the and, and Oklahoma has this sort of hilarious hilariously and frustratingly large uh, Constitution very populous you know the flashpoint of kerosene is is listed in there so because you know as a, as a frankly a consumer protection and all that it's stuff but we had alcohol in the Constitution whereas Functionally, it would have been maybe a lot easier if it had been statutory. That's right. That's to, right. To but change. Yeah, you know, our Constitution is a lot like a, just a lengthy statutory code, right? Right. It's got more than just you know principles and ideals and things like that that we want to live by. But but yeah. it, but it me and and to those listening who may not deal with this every day, to change the Constitution requires a vote of the people or a constitutional convention. Right. And so, whereas something is statute. So when we were talking about medical marijuana and there were the efforts to go with, uh, put medicinal into the Constitution and then put full rec in the Constitution and all those things. Um, I, I think it made a lot of people a little anxious in that adding things to the Constitution can cause problems. It'll cause problems. And I, I, I think having marijuana in the statute is, is probably a, a good idea. I mean, I think we need to kind of maybe avoid the whole constitutional drama, you know, for, for now. I mean... There's going to be a lot of clumsy things. If you look at the history of alcohol, when it, you know when prohibition was first repealed in in the states, it's clumsy, it's awkward, it's difficult, and I think there were a lot of baby steps, and then you had to you know learn to walk before you run. I mean, we're going to be I think we're going to be struggling with that here with marijuana for for several years. I've got a question for Brett or for anybody else that wants to. Um answer this question we've been we've been talking about alcohol we've been talking about obviously medical marijuana and we've done podcasts on that what do you see the future of alcohol and marijuana in a, a future uh, i mean i've certainly read and, and brett can shed some light on uh constellation brands right. um which is 
one of the largest brands. What are they? That's Corona and Pacifico, Pacifico Modelo, Modelo, a yeah. lot of that stuff. Huge, huge Victoria. company uh, has invested heavily in some marijuana uh, companies. And so what, what do you think the future of, of those two different products look like? Well, it's interesting because all of our suppliers, uh, you know, Miller Coors, Constellation Brands, they're looking at, they're doing a lot of R&D right now on, because consumer tastes are changing, demographics are changing. Um, you know, people just aren't necessarily drinking as much domestic beer as they used to. Frankly, all beer growth is somewhat slow, even craft to some degree. Local craft still, you know, is growing very well, but you they're looking for the next what is the next big thing and so um yes constellation brands you know very popular uh very popular portfolio of mexican beers and 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 they also have wines and tequila as well um has invested four billion dollars in canopy which is a major canadian uh, uh marijuana company so they're looking at you know potentially thc infused liquids and at some point you know obviously doing the investment in Canada because it's legal there. I mean, at some point, Congress, you know, the United States government is going to have to address uh, the cannabis issue, you know, from a consumer consumer product standpoint. So, so in other words, you, you could potentially, at some point in time in the future, uh, walk into a bar and get a cannabis or THC-infused beer, yeah, and that's not necessarily so far-fetched. No, I think you're going to be seeing... THC infused beverages on my guys' trucks in probably five years or less. Huh. So they might be called 420 Loco? 420 <laughs> by the drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, yeah, let's stay anyway. away from the 4 Loco. <laughs> yeah, I, right? I mean, there, there's, there's a whole other rabbit hole let's, to let's go down. Let's keep the caffeine, uh, the, the large amounts of caffeine yeah. out. That, that's that's the primary substance pitch. I eschew is caffeine. Um, <laughs> And so on that note, let's kind of wrap up our final thoughts. We've got our little Easter eggs day with us to hear Brett um, tell a college story. And somehow I don't have to tell a college story. Um, but uh, parting thoughts in terms of um, what we might see in the next legislative session and, and uh, give us a beer recommendation that you like. Well, I'll start off first with that. I'm a big fan of uh, dogfish. Sequench Ale. You've turned uh, me onto that. Uh, yeah. you, now you stole mine. Now I don't uh, have anything. Sorry, uh, but I also love the Mexican beers. I mean, um, the uh, Modelos. The Are you a salt and lime man? I am a uh, mostly lime. I've heard that salt helps hangovers or prevents hangovers. Uh, that, that's a good because it, it kills carbonation a little bit. Well, that. now listen, there is a but, but I don't know. You, I, mean, you, I don't know. You do want to pour like your beer it. correctly, okay? That is, we're, you know, we're starting to talk about what's the Category health is a big deal right now in beer, and we're starting. To, you know, we need to train bartenders on how to. A good head on a beer is actually what you want. You know, you want to try and reduce a lot of that, that gassiness or carbonation. You know, it's in the beverage, so it evaporates. Yeah. Right. It go, yeah. It and goes you're not drinking it. Right. Okay. Right. But uh, yeah, I like dogfish. But what do I, what do I see in the future? I mean, I think we're going to have again some more cleanup bills. Um, there's a lot of confusion among re, uh, retail uh, and out. You know, among particularly like chambers of commerce, for example, small towns who have been doing certain events over the years and now they realize the law was different under low point beer and they may have to get some kind of different permit. Today, golf courses, you've heard uh, there's a lot of confusion about how golf courses are going to be licensed because you've got the, you know, the bar at the, mm. you know, the pro shop, but then you've got the, 
the beer cart or the cheer cart, you know, running around and how do you handle people carrying beer out to the golf cart from the pro, you know, there's just a lot of issues. We, you know, the old Cherokee queen at Grand Lake is going to be coming back. So how do you license a bar on a floating boat, you know, on Grand Lake, you know, so there are going to be some things we're going to have to And you with. got uh, uh, Oklahoma State this year uh, offered beer at their football games, mm-hmm. and I noticed this week that the president of OU is opening that discussion. So Yeah, uh, I think might... the, the faculty senate or student senate, something like that, approved a resolution supporting that. So, so might pretty, that. pretty, a, a lot of rapid changes, I think, in Oklahoma on um, alcohol and marijuana and all that type of stuff. It's a great, great time to be alive in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, things you like to drink? Yeah. Uh, well, it's still not distributed here in Oklahoma. It's all of our surrounding states. Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, one of my favorites. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, Kalamazoo. Absolutely. Um, Bell's a great beer. Yeah. It's hopefully right. coming here soon. Well, I would, we need to, you know, we're surrounded by it, I think, everywhere, but maybe one of our border states. We need to do so. a little Smoky and the Bandit to get that in I, here. You know, we may. I mean, it's it, that seems like it's. we still have to have some fun, Little Rebel. I'll and get the trans After this modernization. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yingling. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they're just about in every state around us, too. Well, so... Brian, that's a great. Uh, my favorite beer, and uh, forgive me because I've I've tried to figure out the proper pronunciation. So maybe you all can. It's either Leif Blonde or Lefe Blonde. It's L E F F E. So you know, I always just try to mumble it. You know, Lefe whatever, so they don't I don't look stupid when I'm ordering it. But right. uh, anyway, that's my that's my favorite beer. I'm trying to make my way around a lot of the local breweries, um, but my favorite beer is obviously George Dickel Tennessee Whiskey. So on that note, uh, oh, let's on. let's uh, no, that's pretty good, right? Um, hey, beer and a shot. Beer and a shot. Is that is that going to be still legal? Is Absolutely. That, oh, good. Okay. Well, there's I, there might be unintended consequences. You to, never we'll know. We'll go to the bunker club. I'll buy you a beer and a shot. I think we need to leave this podcast right now. Uh, on that note, rate us, review us. Subscribe. Um, subscribe to us, please. Share with your friends. Um, a lot of people still are reaching out saying, hey, we didn't know you guys had a podcast. So thanks to Brian and Ryan. Thank you, Brett uh, Robinson of the Beer Distributors of Oklahoma. Thank you. And stick around as he tells some college shenanigans. So I'm pretty sure that when in college, again, you know, in the, in the early 1980s, you know, it was 1986, my uh, fraternity, you know, we entered this Killikeg contest, a four-man team at another fraternity party. And I clearly remember, you know, it was a definitely, it was a low-point beer keg, right? So we decided that in case we had to, you know, in case the beer, you know, you had to drink so much beer, some of that beer was gonna come back up. And in case it did, we drank a bunch of food coloring. In, as know, one does. To make, as you do, in case the food, you know, in case the beer comes back up, it'd be interesting, you know, part of the kill keg, you know. What color was your, your uh, regurgitated I think beer? It was, um, I think it was blue. You didn't tell your opponents this, was just like no, to psych I them think out? One of the, you know, one of the guys took red, one of the guys took green, I took blue, and maybe another guy took yellow or something like that. I don't know. Was this competition done in the backyard of the fraternity <laughs> it was, actually house? It was in the front yard. It was the front in, yard in, down in Norman. Yeah. So in the fr- I, the front <laughs> the front yard just what on Chautauqua or College Avenue? It was on the it was on the south side of Ch- Chautauqua down there. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I mean the south side of Lindsay. Yeah. Oh. Um, Sorry.
Uh, yeah. Okay. And so that's so, my, you know, that was my, that's my stupid college beer story. Did you, who, did you win? I mean, did, I, well, of course we won. You yeah. won. Well, I mean, did you really win though? Well, look, memories, as we've learned in the last few days, memories fade a lot <laughs> since the early 1980s, and uh, maybe some things you don't remember uh, as so well you're as you should you have. Have blacked out. I'm not saying that, uh, Senator. No, <laughs> but did you? <laughs> Ugh, on that note, to, till, to, let's get some strong beer in us. It's any day now. There we go. How We Got Here is a presentation of FKG Consulting in association with Nondoc.com. Produced and edited by Bryce Holland. For more information, visit fkgconsulting.com and Nondoc.com.